You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. It's so good to be together today as we are continuing our series called Built to Last. And I know many of you are in a life group and you're discussing these messages during the week and I'm just hearing great reports. And I just wanna encourage you to keep going strong. And uh, today we're gonna continue our series on the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. We're looking at the story of an ordinary man who God used to do something extraordinary. A man who answered the call of God in his generation to rebuild the things of God, to leave a legacy, to make a difference with his life. And here's what I believe is true about many of you. I believe that you want to make a difference with your life. Anybody here today who would say, I want my life to count. When I get to the end of my life, I want to look back one day and know that my life made a difference. All right, three of you. I'm believing for the rest of you by the end of this message. You're going to be on board. <laughs> but I believe we, we, want our lives, uh, we want our lives to count. I believe there is purpose over your life that every person in this place, God wants to use you to make a difference for his kingdom. And I believe for many of you, there's a problem. There's something that bothers you in the world, something playing out on the news, something that weighs on your heart on behalf of others. Maybe it's an injustice. Maybe it's a need in the community, a need amongst your friends and family, your school. Maybe it's children in poverty, some cause that moves your heart, something that breaks your heart, and you find yourself saying to yourself, somebody should do something about that. Many of you, that is, that is you in, in this room, watching online. And here's what I've come to learn about burdens. And that is the burden you bear often reveals the calling you'll embrace. The burden you bear often reveals the calling you'll embrace. What does that mean? The thing that tends to upset you is often what drives you to make a difference in the life of someone else. That thing that bothers you, that thing that weighs on your heart, that thing that breaks your heart, it might be a divine burden given to you from God that is the clue for how God wants to use your life to make a difference in this world. I love what one of my favorite authors, Pastor Mark Batterson says. He says this, what makes you glad or sad or mad? Somewhere in the mixture of that gladness, sadness, or madness is your God-ordained passion. Come on, you want to discover your passion, your purpose in life. Pay attention to the things that grieve your heart, to the things that energize you, to the things that cause your passion to come alive. Church, never underestimate the difference that you can make when you have a God-ordained passion. Some of you might say, Pastor Jeremy, I don't feel like I'm the most qualified person. I don't feel like I'm the most spiritual person. I don't know the Bible that well, but I'm passionate about this thing or that thing. Never underestimate how God can use you if you just have a passion for the things of God. Nehemiah was a simple man, I think, in some ways, but he had a passion for God, and God used his life to make a difference for his kingdom. And so today we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2 in just a moment. Let me just remind you 
of the context of Nehemiah's story. Nehemiah lived during the time of the exile when the Jews were living in exile because over a century before his time, uh, a wicked king named Nebuchadnezzar from the Babylonian Empire attacked Jerusalem, destroyed the city, burned the gates, tore down the temple and left the city in rubble, completely desolate. And more than that, he carried many of the Jews into captivity in Babylon. Fast forward some time later, and the Persian Empire overtakes the Babylonian Empire. And here's Nehemiah. He finds himself as an official serving the king. He's the king's cupbearer. Now, different kings had allowed the Jewish people to begin to return home, and Nehemiah gets word from his brother that things are not going well back in Jerusalem. The city is still desolate. The gates are burned. The temple is in ruins, and his heart is broken for the desolate condition of his people. And he goes to the king full of passion, and he asks the king for permission to go back to Jerusalem to begin to rebuild the walls. And he asks for resources and protection, and the king gives him his blessing. And so last week, Pastor Jeff was here, and he talked about how Nehemiah surveyed the damage, and he begins to bring the people together, the remnant and the leaders of Jerusalem together. And that's where we'll pick up our story, Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 through 18. Here's what Nehemiah said. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. He tells them about how the king gives him permission and favor to go to Jerusalem. They replied, let us start rebuilding. Let's read this last phrase out loud together. So they began this good work. They began the good work. Here's Nehemiah. He goes back to Jerusalem full of passion, with a broken heart for the desolate condition of his people, of his city, and he rallies the troops. He takes this group of people who weren't getting the job done. He begins to organize them. He brings them together, and they get after it, and the work begins. I want to give you four keys to making a difference with your life. I believe if you're here today, if you're a follower of Jesus, you want to make a difference with your life. You want your life to count. I want you to know today, every person in this room, I believe there's great purpose of your life. I believe God wants to use you. Every one of us, he wants to use us to expand his kingdom. And so I want to give you four ways to making a difference with your life. Four keys. Here's the first one. Number one, you got to see the need. You got to see the need. Look at verse 17 and what happens with Nehemiah, what he says. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. What did Nehemiah do when he got to Jerusalem? He surveyed the damage. We talked about that last week. He looked at the walls. He saw the broken condition of the city. He saw the gates that were burned. He saw the need. Even miles away, when he was in that city, in the Persian Empire, when he heard word of the condition of Jerusalem, in his spirit, he saw the need. The first step to making a difference with your life is to see the need. 
See the need. You know, I love reading stories about entrepreneurs who start new businesses and launch new products that make a difference in the world, that change our lives. And often what I've learned in reading about entrepreneurs is their business started when they saw the need. When there was a problem, there was a need, and they created a, a product or a business to meet that need. For example, the glasses company, Warby Parker. Uh, part of the way that Warby Parker got started is one of the founders, when he was a college student, needed a new pair of glasses, and he realized how expensive glasses are. And he saw the need to create stylish glasses for an affordable price. And now you can wear your really cool Warby, Warby Parker glasses and look good for an affordable price. I think about the, the, the clothing company, Untuck It. Some of you know Untuck It. I saw some guys in the earlier service wearing Untuck It shirts. And the founder of Untuck It started Untuck It because as men's dresses become more casual, he recognized that men's shirts, when they're untucked, often don't fit well and they look sloppy. And so he created a line of shirts that are made to be worn untucked. And they also just happen to be a little bit easy on the dad bod configuration if you're like me. So I've got a wardrobe full of untucked shirts. I'm just saying, he saw a need. I think about Howard Schultz, the CEO, the former CEO of Starbucks. He saw a problem in America. He realized we were drinking really weak, watered down coffee. He had gone to Italy in the 1980s, and he had a vision to bring espresso-based coffee drinks to America. And now, thank you, Howard Schultz, we're all addicted and jacked up on caffeine. Amen, somebody. <laughs> Making a difference that starts with seeing the need, seeing the need. We came to Westchester to start a life-giving church because we recognized the need for more life-giving, Jesus-preaching churches in the Northeast, in the New York City area. And where many people saw challenges, we saw the need. We had people say, well, that's expensive to go to New York, and that's a difficult place to go. I remember telling one of my seminary professors that I was feeling led to plant a church in New York, and he looked at me like, that's a really difficult thing to do. There's easier places to go. But where other people saw difficulty, we saw a need. We said, that's exactly where we need to go. And so let me ask you this question. What's the need that God is placing before you? What breaks your heart? What is it that gets your attention in your sphere of influence, in your community? Maybe something you see in the news, something that grieves your heart, something that tugs at your heartstrings. Here's a really good prayer to pray. God, give me eyes to see. God, give me eyes to see what you see. God, I want the things that break your heart to break my heart. I want the things that you're concerned about to be my concern. You gotta see the need. Here's the second thing. We're talking about making a difference with our lives. The second key is this. You got to define the vision clearly. You got to define the vision clearly. I think for most people, it's not a lack of caring that's your problem. It's a lack of clarity. It's not defining what you feel called to do. I want you to notice Nehemiah's clarity. He's like laser focus in defining his vision to the leaders of Jerusalem in one simple sentence in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. Here's what he said. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. It wasn't like, well, I've surveyed the damage, and I'm not quite sure what to do. Do you guys think we can make a difference? Anybody got any ideas? He was laser focused. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. We'll no longer be in disgrace. 
disgrace. There's nothing like a compelling vision to bring people together, especially a vision from God. I'm not talking about some crazy ego vision or a dream you got after you ate pizza last night. I'm talking about hearing from God. Whenever God does something significant in scripture, it almost always starts with somebody getting a compelling, a compelling vision from God. I think about Abraham when God spoke to him and said, I want you to pick up and move your family to a land that I'm going to give you in your descendants. I think about Moses and God appeared to Moses in the burning bush and he said, go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. I think about Joseph who interpreted a dream and he went to Pharaoh and he told Pharaoh, there's a famine that's coming. We have to begin to make preparation. They had a clear and compelling vision. For most people, it's not a lack of clarity that's the problem. A lack of caring, that's the problem. It's a lack of clarity. You know, I often sit down with people who seek me out because they want my advice or they want me to pray for them and there's something stirring in their heart. There's some change of direction they're sensing and they want me to help or speak into it or maybe they want to invite me to be a part of it. And sometimes by the end of the conversation, I still have no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> like I listen, but for them it's still, it's still cloudy, right? They're not sure what it is that God is leading them to do in making this life decision. I love what Pastor Andy Stanley says. He says, vision is a picture of a preferred future. You don't have to be a really visionary person. You might say, Pastor Jeremy, I'm not like you. I'm not wired to be a visionary. That's okay. What's the, what's the picture of the preferred future that God has for your life, for your marriage if you're married, for your kids if you're a parent, for your school, for your community, for this world, for that cause that you care about? Like, What would it look like if God brought healing and worked through you to make a difference in that situation? Nehemiah's preferred future was simple. It was rebuilt walls and the people of God no longer being in disgrace. Pretty compelling vision, right? We can rebuild these walls and we don't have to live in, in this shame anymore. Here's the thing. If you can't define it, you can't do it. If you can't define it, you can't do it. If you can't define it, how do you invite other people to be a part of it? Just the other day, a young man rang my doorbell. He was out fundraising, raising money for some New York City-based youth club. You've had this happen before, right? And I already saw the box of candy when I opened the door. So I knew he was fundraising, but I opened the door and he kind of mumbled something and I couldn't quite hear what he said. And so I had to ask him, I'm sorry, what are you, what are you doing? And then he kind of mumbled again and he told me he was part of some club and I'm really not quite sure what club he was a part of. And I knew he was selling some candy. And then I had to ask him like a third time, well, there's a certain cause. Is there a trip you're going on? Like I'm doing his job for him, right? And he literally said to me, I don't know, it's my first day on the job and they just asked me to come out here and do this. And I thought somebody's got to help this kid come up with a more compelling sales pitch. And I didn't even want any of the candy he was selling. It wasn't like he had any of my favorites in there, right? You know how it is when you meet one of those kids who's hustling, right? Who's convincing, right? Like I'm with the Boys and Girls Club and we're going on this trip, the trip of a lifetime. And would you help me go? And I got some peanut M&Ms and you buy some peanut M&Ms because the kid is compelling, right? If you can't define it, you can't do it. I still don't know what that kid was raising money for. He might've just been out hustling and shaking my neighborhood down for all I know. In a sentence, what is God leading you to do? For Nehemiah, it was simple. Let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. What is it for you? God is leading me to fill in the blank. God is leading me to pay off $10,000 in debt this year so I can be more generous to the things of God. God is leading me to invite five of my coworkers to church in this next year. God is inviting me to mentor one young person in the next six months. 
God is inviting me. God is leading me to start a consulting business and give away 20% of the profits to charity. I don't know what it is for you, but you got to define the vision. If you can't define it, you can't do it. We're talking about some keys to making a difference with our lives. There's purpose over our lives. God wants to use you and me to make a difference in this world, to impact this world for his kingdom. Here's key number three. You got to get started. Come on, turn to somebody and just tell them, you got to get started. You got to get started. Look at verse 18. I want you to see the elders of Jerusalem, the leaders. I want, to see how they, I want you to see how they re- replied to Nehemiah as he cast his vision. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. They got started. I think getting started is often the greatest barrier to doing anything worth doing. I think it's often the greatest barrier, just, just even getting started, knowing where to start, finding the energy to overcome the inertia and just to get the project moving. I think we all know somebody. How many of you know someone who's got a lot of dreams, a lot of ideas, but they never get started? They're going to start a business. They're going to make a million dollars and be really generous. They're going to write a book. They're going to start a podcast, but they never get started. Like we all know somebody like that. If you're sitting next to them, don't nudge them. That's not nice. Jesus told a parable about this, the parable of the two sons in Matthew chapter 21. A father goes to his two sons and he asks them both to go work in his vineyard. And the first son actually says no. And then his heart is repentant and he goes and he works in his father's vineyard. The second son says yes, but never actually gets up off his butt and goes and works in the vineyard. And Jesus asks the Pharisees, he's telling this parable to the Pharisees. He says, which of the two did what his father wanted? And it's not a trick question. We all know like the first son who actually got started. The parable is mostly about repentance, but I think the point stands. The one who did the will of the Father is the one who just got started. If you're going to do God's will in your life, you got to start somewhere. And so how do we get started doing what God has called you to do? I think that's a really great question because sometimes it feels so big. It feels so overwhelming. I know I feel that way at times. God puts something on my heart and I don't even know where to start. And I'm a perfectionist. My problem is I want it to be perfect before it's even started. Anybody like me in the room? And so sometimes things overwhelm me, making big decisions, making changes, right? Pursuing things that God is calling me to do. It can be overwhelming. What do we do? Let me give you a few ideas. Number one, do the next right thing. That'll encourage somebody in this place. It seems overwhelming. It seems big. Just do the next right thing. I think about my own life. I think about when God began to put it on our heart, the dream and the calling to plant this church. Talk about a big idea. I mean, I wasn't even living downstate at that time. I was six hours away from here. It was a big undertaking. A lot of money had to be raised. A lot of things had to happen. I had to just do the next right thing. The first thing for me was I had to go sit down with my pastor at the time. I was on staff at another church and tell him that I believe God was calling me to leave and move and plant a church. And guess what, guys? I was scared to death, but I just did the next right thing. And then I remember there was a time when I had to stop talking and it was time to go public and actually build a website and let people know we are going to do this. And the next right thing was to launch the Redemption website. And then there was a time at which we had to pack up a U-Haul truck and move from Western New York to the New York City area, to Westchester County. Hello, I had to just do the next right thing. And so here's my question. What's the next right thing for you? 
I don't know what God's putting on your heart. Maybe it's finding a mentor. Maybe it's going back to school and just signing up for your first class. Maybe it's listening to a podcast. Maybe it's making the first counseling appointment. Maybe it's sitting down to write the business plan, like do the next right thing. Do you know here at our church, we have a name for our discipleship process. We call it next steps. We try to make it simple for you. Like just take the next step. What is it for you? Is it getting baptized? Is it joining a life group, right? Is it serving on a team? For some of you, your next step is to sign up for growth track today after this service. God is leading you to make this your church home. God is drawing you closer to himself. And you're like, I don't know what to do. Hello, we got the answer to your prayer. Go to growth track today. We're going to help you. We're going to help you find your place. We're going to help you pursue your purpose. We're going to welcome you into our church family. Just do the next right thing. Here's the second thing. Number two, do it with faith. Come on, somebody say faith. Do it with faith. Look at verse 18. Nehemiah said this, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. Nehemiah, when he went to the people of Jerusalem, he went to them in faith. He didn't go to them and say, I don't know what we should do. What do you guys think we should do? Do you guys think we can pull this off? Do we have enough manpower? Do we have enough hands? Do you think maybe we can get it done? Like, no, he went full of faith, believing that God's gracious hand was upon him. And I think so many times when we're making big decisions about stepping out to pursue something God is leading us to do, so often our minds can easily drift to what could go wrong. Anybody like that? Anybody naturally like me? You find yourself, if I step out in this way, if I take this risk, if I begin giving, if I, if I pursue this thing that God's putting on my heart, like what could go wrong? But you know what I've learned after years of walking with God and trusting him in ministry and trusting him with this church? I've learned to ask what could go right. Come on, if the gracious hand of God is upon my life, what could go right? I remember signing the lease for this building that we all enjoy, for this building, 181. And many of you don't know this because you've only been here during the glory years. But <laughs> some people who were setting up at the AMC Theater, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I remember we, we signed the lease for this building during the height of COVID when there was no momentum in the church world, when we were still like, you know, in, in lockdown, I'll never forget, we had that, we had a board meeting and God gave me faith to say to our board members, guys, I know we can all think about what could go wrong, but let me ask you to think about this. What could go right if we sign this lease? What could go right if God is in this and shows up? And I would say a lot has gone right in the last two years since we signed this lease. Can I get an amen, somebody? If you really believe that God's gracious hand was upon your life, what would you attempt to do for the kingdom of God? That's not a rhetorical question. I want you to think about that. If you really believe, like Nehemiah, that God's gracious hand was upon your life, what might you attempt to do for the kingdom of God? Here's the third thing. How do we get started? Number three, we do it with others. We do the next right thing. We do it with faith, and we do it with others. Look at verse 18. I want to read this to you from the New American Standard Translation because I love this word picture. So they put their hands to the good work. Notice that. They put their hands 
to the good work. You see, Nehemiah invited others to be a part of his vision because he recognized it was going to take a lot of hands to get the work done. He recognized there was no way he could do what God was calling him to do by himself. How many of you know that we can accomplish far more together than we could ever accomplish by ourselves? We have a saying around here at our church. We wear it on our merch. It's on the mural in the back here. If you've never seen it before, just go around the hallway and it's better together. We really believe we're better together. And one of the ideas is that there's, that we can accomplish so much more together than we ever could by ourselves. Now, fast forward to Nehemiah chapter 3. And Nehemiah chapter 3 describes the work as it begins to go down. And when you first read Nehemiah chapter 3, it sounds like a boring chapter because it's kind of repetitive. It just describes all these people with really hard names to pronounce and how they built their section of the wall. But let me show you something real quick. Look at this. Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. It says, Eliashib the high priest and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel. Verse 2, the men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. I want you to notice that phrase, built next to them. In chapter 3, this phrase built next to them, built next to them, and so-and-so built next to them, and so-and-so built next to them. It's repeated all throughout the chapter. And it's a powerful reminder of how we can accomplish so much more together than we ever could on our own. We can accomplish so much more when we're working together in unity. Church, let me just tell you today, what you can do with someone next to you is far greater than whatever you can accomplish on your own. And somebody in this place today, you feel weak, you feel tired, you feel discouraged. You say, Pastor Jeremy, I don't feel spiritual enough. I don't feel like I have enough faith right now. I'm battling some temptations. I don't know if I can do it. Just get some people next to you. Get some people in your court. Get some people on your team. Get some people in your life group to encourage you, to pray for you. It's amazing what you can do if you'll get somebody next to you in pursuing God's good work for your life. And here's what I love. Every person, they had their section of the wall. As you read chapter three, every person had their section of the wall that they were responsible to build. They weren't responsible for the whole thing. Nehemiah wasn't responsible for, the, for rebuilding the whole wall himself. That was overwhelming. But because everybody worked together in unity, what had, what had been broken down for decades, they were able to rebuild in 52 days. 52 days, they were able to rebuild the walls. Nehemiah could have never accomplished this work on his own. Come on, I want you to get this today, church. What we can do together is so much greater than what we could do on our own. I want you to think about our church. Look at what we've been able to accomplish the past few years together as a church. It started out as just a vision when me and Amy moved to Westchester County with a vision for a life-giving church, and we could have never built all that you see on our own. But look at what God is doing through our efforts together because somebody showed up and came alongside of us because everybody took responsibility for some section of the wall. Now we're reaching hundreds of people every week in person and online through our ministries here in Westchester County, in the New York City area. Now we're, we're feeding hungry neighbors who are facing food insecurity. We're helping 
resettle refugees. We're freeing girls from sex trafficking through our missions partnerships. We're planting life-giving churches around the United States of America and around the world. We're changing the lives of over 80 kids down in Honduras. For those of you who sponsor a kid right now, there's a new building going up right now that our church is helping build down there for those kids. Amy and I couldn't have done it by ourselves, but look at what we can do together. When you get somebody next to you, it's amazing what can happen when somebody is building next to you and when everyone takes responsibility for their section of the wall. You know, when I think about this, I think about our, our dream team members who are so faithful to give of their time and energy every week, just taking responsibility for your section of the wall. I think about our guest services team members. Maybe your section of the wall is being out in the parking lot and just greeting people from the moment they pull into the parking lot, making sure people know where to park and feel welcomed. And maybe it's holding the door open for somebody and smiling and greeting. Maybe it's making sure people have coffee because coffee plus the Holy Spirit is always a good combination. Amen, somebody. But maybe for you, maybe for you, you felt like you were just greeting one day, but somebody walked in here who felt far away from God. Somebody walked into this place for the first time their first time in church ever in a church like this, their first time in church in a long time, and they weren't sure what to think, and they were nervous, and they, were, they wondered if they were going to be warmly welcomed, but you smiled at them. You welcomed them. You held the door open for them, and because of you, they came with an open heart, and they began to believe, maybe I could belong here. Maybe I could be accepted here, and they found a relationship with Jesus because you were, you were taking care of your section of the wall, and I think about our our Redemption Kids team. Can we give it up for the Redemption Kids team that loves on our kids? And even though you're tired and you have a busy work and some of you have your own kids, you decided to love on some kids in the nursery, in the preschool, in the elementary, and you just put some Jesus in these kids on a Sunday morning. And maybe there was a family who they weren't sure if they were going to come back, but on the car ride home, those kids said, we love that church. We want to go back. Come on, how many of you know you get the kids convinced and the parents will get convinced fast because you were taking care of your section of the wall. And I think about our creative arts team, worship and production, who's here faithfully early on a Sunday morning, setting the stage for you, making this broadcast happen online and getting cameras and lighting and lyrics, right? Getting ready to lead people in worship, arranging a meeting so that you and I can meet with God. And maybe one day you came in and there was a sense that the song they picked was the very song you needed that day. It was like the Holy Spirit was speaking to you and worship team, I want you to know it's because you manned your section of the wall. And maybe there's some life group leaders in the house today and you would say, I didn't feel like the most qualified person. I didn't feel like a Bible scholar expert, but I got a heart for people. I got a heart for community. I can open up my apartment. I can create a place for people to come and fellowship and build relationships and grow closer together. You manned your section of the wall. And I think about some business people in our church who God has given you the gift of being talented at business and making money. And you recognize that God has given you this gift and he gave it to you to put it through you. And you've been a generous giver and you've blessed the family of God. You've helped advance the mission here. Why? Because you were taking care of your part of the wall. It's amazing what can happen when you get someone next to you and when you take 
responsibility, not for everybody else's work, but to build your section of the wall. Church, I want you to know that God has called you and me. He's called us as a church to build his kingdom here in Westchester, in the New York City area, and it's all hands on deck. You being here matters. You giving matters. Your praying matters. Your serving matters. Your gifts and your talents, it's making a difference for the kingdom of God. And so I want to encourage you, man your section of the wall. <laughs> Take responsibility for your section of the wall. What is God calling you to do? Come on, I want you to think about that for just a moment. What is God calling you to do? What's he speaking to you about? See the need. Let it break your heart. Let it weigh on you. Let it bother you. And believe like Nehemiah that God can use you to do something about it. Nehemiah said to the elders of Jerusalem, we can rebuild the walls and we'll no longer be in shame. Church, here's what I want you to know. We can reach lost and broken people. We can reach people who are far from Jesus Christ. We can usher people into the healing presence of God. We can see marriages healed. We can see people set free. We can see lives restored. We can see God build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If we just get a vision from God, and if you feel ordinary today and you feel unprepared and you feel unqualified, you're just the kind of person that God loves to use. You're just the kind of person like Nehemiah that God loves to use. How do we, how do we make a difference? You see the need. God, give me eyes to see what's around me, what's happening in my world, what's happening in my generation, what's happening in my sphere of influence. What have you wired me for? What moves, what moves your heart? God, what moves your heart? I want it to move my heart. See the need, define the vision, get started. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to know everything. Just do the next right thing in faith, believing that the gracious hand of God is upon your life and get some other believers around you to encourage you along the journey. Come on, I want to pray for you this morning. Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? All over this place today, I believe God is moving on our hearts. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking. I believe God is calling us to step forward into our God given purpose. I want you just to bow your head for just a moment. And I believe right now there are some of you, like you sense God speaking to your heart. It may not be a huge vision. Maybe it's just a step into how you can make a difference right here at our church by serving on a team, by being a part of a life group, by starting a life group, by beginning to give generously. Maybe something there's something that God is putting on your heart. Maybe it's to go back to school and take a different, uh, take a different path for your career. Maybe it's to start a business, to start a ministry, to make a difference. Maybe it's to adopt or foster some children. Maybe there's some cause that it's time for you to become generous and be a part of that thing. I don't know what it is for you, but it's all over this place today. I believe God is speaking to your heart. And there's some of you today, it's time to say, yes, God. Like, God, you're speaking to my heart. 
You're calling me to make more of a difference with my life. And I'm all in, God. I'm taking responsibility for my section of the wall. I want my life to count. I want you to use my life to make a difference. If that's you today in an act of faith, just put your hand up and say, Pastor Jeremy, that's me. God's speaking to my heart today. Come on, all over this room. Put your hand up. God's speaking to me today. I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm saying yes. God, you can use my life in an act of faith. Would you lift your hands? Would you pray with me and just say, God, if you can use anything, you can use me. God, we're offering our lives back to you. God, we recognize that you gave your life for us and we're giving our lives back to you today to make a difference in our generation, to make a difference in our world, to make a difference for your kingdom. God, if you can use anybody, you can use my life. Use me to serve, to pray, to give, to make a difference, God. Lord, I'm praying for wisdom in your people to take the next right step. The next right step, whatever it is you would have for us, God, to do it full of faith, believing that your gracious hand is upon our lives. And Father, we thank you that you're not calling us to do it by ourselves, but we're surrounded by brothers and sisters, spiritual family who are in it with us. And we believe that you can use our lives. And again, we say yes to you, Jesus. Give my life to you for you to make an impact in this world for your kingdom through my life to the glory of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give God some praise in this place this morning? Amen. 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 Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.